kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming. You just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. What's the coroner got to say? He's in the John puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Happy Halloween, sweeties. <laughs> Sweet to the sweets. What's happening, everybody? I'm Nolan. Stacy Glover. Melanie Daniels. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. Happy Halloween, everyone. This has been a great month. Hope you've all enjoyed yourselves watching movies and doing devilish activities. I know I what have. Are, what are devilish activities that you've been I don't think we to? need to talk to it on air. Yeah. Like crimes? Weird satanic shit? I don't talk about the doings that I do. Who knows? I like to to make the viewer make their own assumptions. Or the listener, I should say. They can't see me. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be talking about Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Should be a fun time. Before that, uh, let's talk about what we're drinking on today's show. Coffee with some Baileys in it. Very nice, warm, wholesome. I feel very cozy. Mm-hmm. You guys are having... I feel like this is an offensive title, but Breakfast at Marge's, it's peach schnapps, vodka, strawberry zevia, a little bit of grenadine on top. It's really nice. It's really tasty. It looks great. Yeah. I was going to call it Tiny Tina, but the Mm. whole point of having vodka in it was because of Margie. Right. (laughs) With that being said, Stacy, do you have a question that you would like to ask us? Favorite bad guy performances. Okay, uh, I'll start this one off. Might I say yeah. horror genre of the horror genre? Obviously. Sure. Yeah. The one I, I am I have a hard time with absolutes, so I'll just say off the top of my head that one that comes to mind is Chop Top, played by Bill Mosley from Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. I really enjoy him. Uh, he's out of his damn mind. Does this great thing where uh, he is always scratching his uh, helmet head. Uh, which is a tick that I absolutely adore in that film. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, he, he matches my love for just pure insanity. And what can I say? I love Bill Mosley as an actor as well. He's good. That's a good call. I'll go with that. I'm going to say Vincent Price as Matthew Hopkins, Witchfinder General or the Conqueror Worm, depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. I think that that performance, that is him at his most evil and it is a meaty, delicious performance, and I find it wonderful. A film I have not seen yet. You know, since you guys cheat all the time on questions. Absolutely. Choi Min-sik as Jung King Chul from I Saw the Devil. I think that him as that serial killer, it's a very good performance, and he is super, super evil. It's great. Like Nolan, I am the worst at absolutes. I can't say my favorite anything because it feels disingenuous because it's not that I don't love whatever I'm saying I love but as far as ranking it it could change day to day it depends on what I'm in the mood for it's just you know what flavor what season whatever we're doing so I'm just gonna go with a performance that I like a lot it's not that I think he's the most villainous or he's the best at it I just really like it Claude Rains as Jack Griffin in The Invisible Man I think it's an Phenomenal performance. I, it's one of my favorite Universal horrors. It's, it's a good one. so good. The effects are amazing. I his and his acting. It's you're just hearing his voice, but it's so good. And his voice is so dreamy. I just love it. So, yeah, that's it. It's an excellent performance. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't seeking absolutes. It's just to get conversation going. Um, so, dear listeners, please know that we we really like Anthony Hopkins and Silence of the Lambs and. Uh, was it Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Big fan. And Anthony Perkins in Psycho, obviously. See, I, I think he's great, but I don't know if he's evil. You know. Well, the, it's no, no. I I understand what you're saying. Obviously, yes, he's the villain. We're not arguing that. But most of the time, he is just portraying good guy Norman Bates. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I guess the way I look at the look at the question a little bit, and the way I think of villains sometimes is, they, a lot of times they. They may not portray as just being a terrible person. There's someone <laughs> for me with Norman Bates anyway, and I I know I'm a bit strange in the head, but I never want him to get caught. Like I just want him to keep killing. Oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah. I think a little bit. Whenever you know Anthony Hopkins, whenever Hannibal Lecter gets away at the end, it's you're kind of rooting for him. Mm-hmm. You know the guys that I listed, like they are just evil. But I find most of the performances I lean towards are like the sympathetic figures in horror, like. Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Like, he is a victim. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also a victim of his own, you know, grandeur. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and, and, like, most of Boris Karloff's performances, like, he... The monster is a victim. I go for the, I guess, just a person who's just completely gone. I, Much like yourself. Like myself. Like, again, uh, this this deal with Bill Mosley again, but I would say, you know, all of the, the awful characters in, like, oh, Devil's like Rejects. Otis. Like, I'm sorry they're awful people. They do unapologetically bad things, but I don't want them to die or get caught at the end. I don't know what to say, you know? Well, and I would say a great example of what you're talking about, Nolan, is like what we're covering today, like the evolution of Freddy Krueger as a character. Because as you get into those sequels, you know, after three, he is more of a comedic figure. It's mm-hmm. pop culture, right? Freddy. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like you, you know, you're rooting for him. You, you want to see what the nightmares are. You want to see what the jokes are. For me, I, it's not that I, I love Freddy, obviously, but I'm never unaware of the fact that he's a child killer and a child molester. I think most people would agree that that's the worst thing. Doing terrible things to a child—that's the most depraved, disgusting, evil thing that exists in the world. So it's just funny that he is a mascot and he's so well loved. Like for me, it's like that it plays into it. That's why New Nightmare works so well, so meta, and it deals with that and it just rubs your nose in it. Well, with that said, should we dive into a Nightmare on Elm Street? What do you got there, Nun? Well, I need to get it pulled up. That's, That's what, what she, she said. said. Nice. On today's show, we're going to be doing a Nightmare on Elm Street directed by Wes Craven from 1984. Let's go ahead and do a letterbox summary here. If Nancy doesn't wake up screaming, she won't wake up at all. Teenagers in a small town are dropping like flies, apparently in the grip of mass hysteria causing their suicides. A cop's daughter, Nancy Thompson, traces the cause to a child molester, Fred Krueger, who was burned alive by angry parents many years before. Krueger has now come back in the dreams of his killer's children, claiming their lives as his revenge, Nancy and her boyfriend Glenn must devise a plan to lure the monster out of the realm of nightmares and into the real world. It kind of gives too much. It does give a lot away. Our cast of the film, we've got Heather Lake at Langenkamp as Nancy, Robert England, Freddy Krueger, John Saxon as Lieutenant Thompson, Ronnie Blakely as Marge Thompson, Amanda Weiss as Tina, Jesu Garcia as Rod, Johnny Depp, as Glenn, and I think that's probably enough. If you guys want to name anybody else, you're I, welcome to. But I think, I think you that's got it. that's our main players in the film. All right, so how do we feel about a Nightmare on Elm Street? I love this film. Looking over the things that we have covered, and we've covered what like five Friday the Thirteenth films, but not one Nightmare on Elm Street film. Freddy doesn't have a date really built around him, but. I think that this film is fantastic. It it did a lot to reinvigorate the subgenre. We get that slasher run after Halloween. It's really like 80 to 82. And then things start to slow down. I mean, this is the year that, you know, they're for all intent and purposes, they're going to kill Jason, you know, because that's like ran sure. its course. And I think that this film injected so much imagination and showed like you can do more than just do Halloween for this type of movie. It just reinvigorated. Yeah. Melanie? This is one of my favorite horror films. It's just such an ingrained memory of being around my family, watching a horror film together, and kind of 
building that love of celebrating horror films, I guess. That's where that started. It was with this film. The cast is perfect. There's so much in this one that the others don't do. As you go further on, two is kind of its own thing, which I love mm -hmm. too. But three, the dreams get more creative and fun. And that's definitely the strongest point of that film. And I would say four, the dreams get crazy. And this one, I feel like something that the other films fall away from is one, obviously Freddy is very scary in this one. And the weird oddities in the dreams, random things happening and things looking weird in the dreams, that feels very realistic. At the very beginning, Martina's walking around and a goat just like comes through or a sheep, mm -hmm. whatever it is. It's a sheep, I think. Random weird things like that. I think it's pretty darn near perfect. I would say it's it's one of my favorite horror movies as well. This was, I'd say this is my third or fourth watch of it. So I haven't seen it like a great amount of times, but enough where I, I know that I really enjoy it. You know, Craven does this a few different times in his career where, you know, he takes a genre that seems like it's on his last leg and gives it, you know, yeah. so it's pretty impressive. Craven in general, I, I think, is an interesting guy to talk about a little bit. I mean, he's someone, you know, he started out, you know, Last House on the Left. Something that a lot of people may not know is he also started out in hardcore films, which is kind of crazy. Like, I think he directed one and act, he was an actor in one or two as well. You know, from there, like, he, he kind of always had a pension for just this kind of lower form of art but putting his own spin on it to make it to like up that that genre a little bit and i think he does it a few different times throughout his career and i think this is one of his best movies just obviously on a story front but also on a technical front i think it's very impressive just the amount of freedom that new line and bob shea gave him to get his vision across I think it's interesting talking about Craven that, you know, you were talking about it being him being interested in lower forms. Mm -hmm. Last House on the Left is just trash cinema remake of Virgin Springs. Right. You know, Bergman film. The Hills Have Eyes is based off a like a historical account from like these like Irish cannibals or yeah, Scottish cannibals like, like the from the soggy. I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's. It's but he, he he finds these these things to tell these stories you know that interest him like nightmare he was inspired by a uh, a news article he read where this boy who he talked about how he was going to die in his sleep and they found a a coffee pot in the closet mm -hmm. and he was scared to go to sleep because his dreams would kill him yep. and he he did die and Wes took that and I think the he talks about like the the genesis for Fred Krueger, which was based off a neighbor. Everything about Freddy Krueger is the way Wes would build stuff is it's very he's piecing together a puzzle, but it's all stuff that he experienced. So Freddy came from a boy that used to beat him up and mm -hmm. bully him. The hat that Freddy wears is there was a drunk on the street whenever he was a kid walking like across the street from him parallel. Wes was watching this guy. And the guy just, like, looked up and locked eyes with him. And he was wearing that type of hat. And it just scared the shit out of him. So he was like, okay, that's it. The shirt, the red and green. Well, they're supposed to, like, lined up like that. Isn't it supposed to be the most off-putting combination of colors? It's the Yeah, it's not only the colors. It's Yeah, it's the way that they're lined up. It's, it's hard for them to process. And then the the knives the the glove itself it's just he was you know trying to figure out okay what would this guy have what would he wield and he had a cat at the time the cat was like fanning its paws out mm. and he was like of course yep. just just a a glove with claws that makes sense i don't know if he ever says this freddy krueger is essentially tibetan uh, mysticism it's called a tulpa which is this idea of you creating something in your mind, but if you believe it, you talk it into existence, you make it a reality. Mm. Well, and the cool thing is, like, this film, there is so much material, and everybody involved with the film is ecstatic to talk about it. The documentary Never Sleep Again covers the entire franchise. It's like six, seven hours long. There's so many different documentaries, too. The house that Freddie built, from, like the New Line Cinema itself. Mm -hmm. There's so much. All right. Well, with all that being said, are you guys ready to get into the movie? Yeah. Let's go here. A great opening chase and set piece. 
I wrote that it felt very European Jalo inspired. I want to know if you guys had any thought of that. I fully agree. Whenever they're in the boiler room area, mm-hmm. not only with Tina, but with Nancy later on in the film, the way they that he shot his eyes, his glove, his like different parts of the set. I would say more images of like either Argento or Fulci in a way, yeah. more than oh, just Fulci, Jalo yeah. in general. Cause I actually got a few Fulci moments, especially with some of the zooms that he uses a little later in the film. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good call there. Yeah, I think the shot selection. I can see what you're you're talking about and what Melanie just highlighted. The shot, he'll raise his hand up, uh, or the gloves raised, and the camera will follow just the hand. Right. Several Giallo films, it'll have the black glove and the weapon. You know, right. a razor blade. Follow that. That's where your eye line is. Yep. And I think he does a good job at the beginning, not like showing you much of Kruger other than like just those highlights of the hand and it's very much the outlines shark from and shadows Jaws. like yeah. he, he hides them mm-hmm. more than other people would have i also really dig the very very opening i love the the tiny box yep. where you're seeing kruger make the the glove mm-hmm. and then it pulls out into the nightmare yeah. after the titler it's pretty great i love the title too just the the mm-hmm. actual font oh yeah so the good. font's phenomenal it, and that's font has stuck through the series oh, yeah obviously Absolutely. it's iconic so uh tina dreaming uh sets up <laughs> sets her up as Did the, you mean uh, that alliteration yes <laughs> tina dreaming uh sets her up as the final girl i think with this opening sh- uh scene uh we get J- uh, johnny depp as glenn looking fabulous by the way so handsome so good uh we have a character rod there's a we we meet all of our teen characters here at once also with nancy as well but everyone's kind of talking about how they've been having nightmares. And someone asks Rod, and he just says, Well, no, but I had a hard-on for Tina when I woke up this morning. And I thought that was a great line. What do you think of this cast of kids? Oh, they're great. You like them yeah, all? Yeah, I do. Uh, all, all of them work very well. I, it bums me out a little bit that uh, Tina and Rod had to leave so early. Because I think they're I think they're all all good at I what they're doing. He- I under obviously I understand what he was doing with Tina. It's just like you said, setting it up as sure. she's our you know our the, Janet Lee. Yeah, a psycho thing. Amanda Weiss, Tina. She's. I just think she's. I really like her voice. I think she's. I don't know. There's something about her that just seems so sweet. So I. Yep. I her death is it's felt by me. She also like in in her dream sequences where she is the quote unquote, you know, well she's being attacked, but. They, where she sets up as the final girl, she, I like the way she moves in those sequences, and she just seems like she has a good sense of how Awareness. that character should be. Yeah, in in those yeah. sequences, I think she's really good. I agree. So uh, we learn a little bit about Freddy. He's got them finger knives. <laughs> One, two, Freddy coming for you. Uh, we find out Nancy and Glenn. They're a couple. Tina and Rod are a couple. Tina and Rod hard pounding. Tough day for Glenn, as Glenn just wanted some action. Like you were talking, the first like 20 minutes of this film, they set it up as Tina being like the main character. And then they do the, the sleepover at Tina's house, you know, so they can watch her, make sure she doesn't like have any bad dreams. Yeah, they're Rod trying to be comes, good friends to her. Yeah, so Rod comes over. And, the support system. Yeah, picks on Glenn. Setting up Rod to be that nasty guy a little bit. Did you like the uh, the gag with the the airport and the I did telephone call? Absolutely. Trying to convince your parents that you're somewhere that you're not. That's right. Find out. Uh, turns out Rod has uh, nightmares too. He was just trying to act all manly beforehand. We get uh, a great little effect here. Freddie coming through the wall in Nancy's room. Uh, Nancy puts a cross on the wall after you see this uh, special effect. So they dole out rooms. This is something I'm wondering. Why is it, and it's not just this film, it's many films, why is it when the parents away and like the, those kids are going to go bang, they mm-hmm. want to do it in the parents' room? Well, one, deviants, obviously. They're, it's perverts. <laughs> right. So Nancy's in Tina's bed. Right. That's a very small bed. I think if you're going to bang it out, they, they wanted the California king. <laughs> So so it's bed size is what we're... Whenever you guys were younger, did you have a twin size or did you have a full size big bed? I had twin size. Exactly. Yeah, a twin. Yeah. You're like, Let's you know go what? We got, we got sheets we can clean, you know? <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> it's not like you're cleaning the sheets beforehand, right? 
find it very... Hey, teach their own. Yeah. I would say, as a teenager, you don't think about those things, in my opinion. Sex is on your mind, and you're like... Wherever it can happen. Let's go. We'll happening. worry about the consequences or what we need to do afterwards. Guys in particular. <laughs> I would never, like... Yeah, no. <laughs> I do... I'm just saying, they show Tina's bed. It is a teeny tiny little Tina bed. They wanted the, the big one. I think it's logical. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, uh, you know, a little bed bring you closer together. <laughs> Well said. Next, we get a dream sequence with Tina again. The ever-expanding arms of Freddy greet Tina. Uh, she says something to the effect of, um, I think, oh my God or something. And then Freddy's real first line of the movie is, this is God. Freddy's real introduction to the film, I Such would argue. Such a great shot, too. No, the yeah. lighting on his face. There's mm -hmm. so much of that throughout this, but it's yeah. great. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Freddy starts kind of messing with her, cuts off one of his own fingers, has a nasty face under his already nasty face that Tina peels off, which I find actually is still quite terrifying. I know, like, it could be looked at as silly, I guess, but I think it's still kind of spooky. Do you, Okay, so do you like all the stuff in this? Like, do you like the accordion arms? Do you yeah. like him cutting off his fingers? I actually, I, I still find this movie, I know what happens, but, like, if, if I was to watch this, say I was my age right now still, and I was to watch this for the first time, I would still find it quite terrifying and affecting it's silly but again that for me that's what it works that's why it works is because it does feel like dream logic yeah so we get uh, tina's death scene i think it's horrific i still find it shocking and well staged this is a kill in a movie that it's i if i was making a list of like that it sounds gross to be like best kills but it's like this is way up there for me i think it's it's shocking whenever he redid it in new nightmare because there's a, mm -hmm. a kill that's almost shot for shot it's still terrifying to me like it's it's a very creepy thing the first time i watched it that was the moment that burned into my brain oh yeah is tina outstretched reaching for rod it's just so creepy this is my favorite like nightmare kill of the film the part where she initially comes out of the bed yeah and is just flailing around yeah that looks so good that it's like you know i'm sure you could like figure out like how they did that but in the moment, you're not thinking about, like, optical tricks or anything. It's just, like, that looks really good. Yeah, it it, it looks, even even by today's standards, it looks like, you know, how do they do that There's to me still? There's nothing during this. Like, I would say even when the knives come down later, like, I know that that, it's like, I can tell that that's a built-up chest, like, dummy sure. for uh -huh. blood to pump up. Like, I get that. It, I, it. It's like it doesn't look real, but it's unsettling. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it really is. And the way the blood just starts just pouring out. Mm -hmm. And the situation with the boyfriend being in there. It, it's really just a uh, a really messed up situation. Like the, the initial... Because it's like they start off on the bed. She starts screaming. Rod hops out and is looking at the her under the covers. And it's like it does look like you, there's two people there. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then he pulls it off and it's just her. And then she does the... Where her body yep. flips upside down and she's just flailing in midair. Yep. It's it's like zero to one hundred, like so quick. Yep. Just for like reference, because mm -hmm. like this is a low budget film, like New Line Cinema. Right. They didn't have that much money. This was like the film to put them on the map as far as a production company. Well, and Bob before Shea, then they were a distributor. Yeah, they were scraping together pennies to get this made. Mm -hmm. So, reportedly, this movie has a $1.1 million budget. Okay? Mm -hmm. Something in the same year, Friday the 13th Part 4, $2.6 million budget. Wow. So just to... And, you know, that the effects in Part 4 Friday are sure. phenomenal. But it's just the scope is so different. Definitely. It, it is pretty insane what Wes was able to achieve with so little money. Well, yeah. you have to also think this is surrealism. Mm -hmm. So it's just the fact that he did it and pulled it off with such a small budget. It's crazy. Very impressive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, John Saxon enters the picture <gasps> as uh, Nancy's dad. Are love you John Saxon. Oh, I love John Saxon. Yeah. Could you so preface John Saxon's name with international star John Saxon, please? <laughs> Sexpot John Saxon, yeah, please. Yeah, I love uh, Sexpot international star John Saxon. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, yes, he plays uh, Nancy's uh, dad. Uh, I believe he's a detective. Lieutenant. Lieutenant, okay. Obviously, uh, Tina is not the star of the picture because she has uh, left us. 
Uh, Rod is suspected of Tina's murder. Is that a note that you have? I did, yes. <laughs> so you wrote that note like 10 minutes after she died. That's right. Okay. You don't even want to know what goes in this head. Hey, I don't know if you made a note of it, but can we talk about Nancy's parents and that relationship? I didn't really talk about the relationship, so go for it. They're either separated. They're not stable. Or he doesn't live in the house or he is always at work and she is alone with Nancy. I definitely get the feeling, especially with the revelation you get later in the film, that what they did has put a strain on that relationship. Absolutely. The way I've always read, they're separated, living apart. He right. like has an apartment somewhere, and he's just in the station all and the time. You never see them together in the house. Uh, the only time you see them together, I think, is maybe there's one or two scenes outside. The police station. Yeah, the police station. The police station, yeah. and then mm-hmm. at the funeral. Mm-hmm. At no point are there terms of endearments or oh. anything that are exchanged. No. He calls her Margaret. I right? think he has a hard time even connecting with his daughter because he just feels... And it's like what he did, what they did was out of the strongest love and consideration. So it's like, don't blame them. But at the same time, to do that and be a normal person and deal with those consequences well, turned her into an alcoholic and he, he mm-hmm. can't even look at his family. Well, and not even that. It's like he is a policeman who broke the law. Oh, yeah, yeah. That as well. Uh, all right. Yes, Rod is suspected of Tina's murder. We get a Nancy dream sequence at school. Uh, she starts seeing. Uh, Flashes of Tina's body, kind of wrapped in plastic, it's so pretty gnarly. It's yep. so creepy. Yep. Uh, I've made a note, Nancy, uh, on her uh, outfit. Come on, those pants are unfortunate. Hey, during this scene, shout out to Lynn Shay. Um, yeah, horror icon of herself nowadays. There you go. She's the teacher. Uh, as with uh, Tina's dream at the beginning. Uh, we see Nancy, towards the end of this dream sequence, advances to a boiler room. Any thoughts on this dream sequence that you guys want to talk about at all? Well, I mean, we had talked about it earlier. Yeah. I The framing and Heather Langenkamp, we haven't talked about her much, and we'll get into all of that, but she is so good. She yeah. was the perfect cast because she does, she looks very age-appropriate. Like, she looks like a kid. She's has this vulnerability about her, and she kind of the more she gets into this situation and discovering who Freddy is, it's like she looks more and more just tired and kind of gaunt. Yeah. It's so good. So well done. I think she's brilliant. Yeah. No, she's really great. Uh, Towards the end of the stream sequence, we get another Freddy line where he says to Nancy, come to Freddy with tongue vibrations. Hold on. Okay. We we would be remiss if we did not mention screw your hall pass. Mm, Yeah. I, I do like that the hall monitor, she's wearing the Freddy sweater. And That's then true. People say that Freddy didn't get funny until three, but no. he's funny in There's this. There's always humor with him. Like, he, he's got that, like, Michael Myers, like, sick sense of humor of, like, mm-hmm. just fucking well, with you. Because the whole point of, so Nancy's going through the beginning of this dream sequence, she's going through the hallways, she, you know, wakes, well, she doesn't wake up, but she falls asleep in the classroom, the guy's talking, doing his... Uh, like book report or whatever it is. I think he's talking about Julius Caesar, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I love how his voice changes. Oh, how once she goes into the dream. Yeah, he's like droning on. It's so. And I'm pretty sure the part in Caesar he's talking about is like the dream of Rome and stuff. So a lot of like fitting dialogue through Shakespeare. Yeah, so so well done, and her getting up. So Freddie allow he's not chasing her. He is luring her down to the boiler room, like her running into the hall monitor. And it's it's Freddie. It's just he wants her to keep following Tina down into this maze. He's just playing with her. How do we feel about these horror movies with smart directors that are using literature and other things to bring context to their film in the classroom? Because Wes does it here, mm-hmm. but earlier Carpenter does it right. in Halloween, and I believe the topic they're covering is the nature of fate. Yeah, I I, I love it. Smart boys making smart movies. That's right. Smart boys. They're great for a reason. Okay, so Rod is, uh, he is arrested. Um, Nancy kind of gets set up by her dad here. Uh, Rod gets put in jail. Uh, Nancy goes to visit. Rod explains what happened to Tina the best he can. Uh, He explains that to Nancy. Next, uh, we get Nancy in the bathtub. This is an iconic scene. 
Another dream sequence with uh, Freddy's hand coming up out of the tub in an area you don't want that hand to be. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I love a bath. When I was younger, sure. I was always... Who doesn't? That's what I... Th- oh, wait. I'm sitting by a person who doesn't. What? Just soaking in your own filth? Just can't. I... I'm not... This isn't a soapbox for me to explain why baths are great. <laughs> I love a shower. I love being clean. It is not... I am not a filthy person where I'm just soaking in my filth. That notion is disgusting and wrong. I mean, you don't know anything about a nice lavender bath salt and an oil. I like I, to say these things I'm because just, I'm just, I, I find it funny. Sometimes but I get a bath bomb. Sometimes uh, you like. I light, find it to be a waste of time. Light a candle. Like not for me. Soak. Ugh, it's it's great. You don't know anything about hair treatments, about a facial mask. There's so many things that I want to do in my day that sitting in a bowl of my own filth. For like an hour or two is not appealing to me. You know, sometimes you need some rest and relaxation. Mm, bedtime. I was always a little, it's an irrational fear, but just being in water and thinking, because I have a very, or I had a very hyperactive imagination where I would think of scenarios in my head that would never happen. I knew, wasn't actually worried about it happening, but I just remember thinking like, what if the bottom of the bathtub fell out and I was in the ocean and then a shark just ate me? Oh. Stuff like that all the okay. time. After I watched Anaconda when I was little, mm. I was like, what if the bath fell out and an Anaconda just, just yeah. wrapped me up and Man. I was gone? So the Freddy arm, yeah. what if the bathtub yeah. fell out in Freddy's fair. arm constantly? Yeah. I've never had a fear of the bathtub falling out. Yeah. Well, I wasn't actively scared. I still bathed, but it was a thing that I thought about. Yeah. I was like, I know that it couldn't happen, but what if it could happen? Yeah. I think it's a good visual and... I also think you're you're getting your character at their most vulnerable. That's yeah, true. Yeah, stuff shouldn't happen in the bathroom. We talked about it. Yeah. Last right? Time. Yeah, psycho. I gotta say, the worst part of the bath of a bath is uh, just when the water gets cold. You gotta get out of there. So I'll leave it at that. Gross. Uh, Nancy trying to start staying awake after this dream sequence. She finds some stay awake pills in the bathroom. She makes a reference of, "Oh God, I look twenty years old, Nancy." When looking at her withered self through a mirror <laughs> another we get another nancy dream sequence freddy chases her through an alley and back into her house freddy busts through her mirror in her room uh, i found this to be a really good use of the jump scare which i don't think there's like a great deal of them in this but when they use them i think they're used to good effect i don't think wes really relies on jump scares <clears throat> he's his are more psychological and building yeah so to set the scene for what you're talking about right now Glenn has come over, and Nancy has given them the task to play guardian over her while she sleeps. So he is to make sure he is to not fall asleep, and to make sure that if she looks like she's having a nightmare, to wake her. Is anyone mm-hmm. successful in the this series at doing that? Definitely not Glenn. Everyone always falls asleep. Yeah, yeah everybody falls asleep. It didn't work very well. Which I mean, whenever you're a kid, try I mean, anytime. Whenever you're trying to stay awake, like that's your goal you're going to be sleepier than you've ever yeah. been. Oh, so. It's like me, 9 o'clock, trying to watch a movie. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm an old man. Well, sometimes you just eat the bar, man. Next up, we got uh, Rod, who's in jail. He falls asleep, and he gets hung in his sleep. Uh, Rod does not make it, so we get his death sequence. I think that this looks really good. The coloration changing on his yeah. skin during that, I think it's very well done. It's subtle, but it looks really weird. Do we care to go back just a second? Go for it. Do we feel that Nancy is unnecessarily mean to Glenn? Uh, I'm going to say no. She, no. She calls him a shit? Yeah. She hits him? But we find out because he does it and it ultimately leads to his demise. You know, he he says he's going to do things once. and he never does it. Yeah, more than once is he given this opportunity to just not fall asleep and to help her. And he does fall asleep. So, so I'm just say saying he's a shit. Look, my thoughts are maybe she treats him this way because he's ultimately been failing her throughout the relationship. And it comes to its point where if someone keeps failing you, you've got to get a little nasty with them. Glenn is very, very, very likable and sweet. I love Glenn. Nancy's a little shit to him. So Nancy gets sent to a, I guess this is a dream doctor, a dream clinic. A doctor to Nancy, if you don't dream, you'll go. <laughs> You're, okay. I noticed both of you guys were laughing at this stuff. Yeah. 
I like this sequence no, no, a like whole hell of a lot. And the reason I do is because ultimately, while this movie does play in the realm of, you know, the slasher film, ultimately this is a haunting. Yeah, I, I understand and, what he's going for in this sequence. And I don't relatively think it hurts the movie. I just think of some of the ridiculousness of that character that the doctors i find the line funny because this is something that they go back to more than once in the series that we can't suppress the children's dreams that'll kill them most people don't remember their dreams anyway so the idea of like suppressing them being dangerous i love this sequence thinking about like exorcist like all the wonderful sequences where reagan's being you know looked at by the doctors and also the entity when they're trying to study what's going on with her and that's what I think about during the sequence. And I think Wes's use of just keeping it in the real world and watching what happens to Nancy, I, I think it makes that more frightening. I think it does a good job of really getting the sense of the horror across to to the adults in the room because they, they have no explanation for what just happened. Well, and he does, whenever the he says, I've never seen it go this high because she's at like, point three or something for whatever scale that they're monitoring all of a sudden it just skyrockets and he's like i i don't know what's happening and her mom's freaking out and she's like explain it to me you're the doctor how do you not know what's happening with her and that's whenever she just starts like flailing in her bed and then we hear the screeches still i think the sound design in this moment is perfect yeah, it's I, just enough and i will say uh it's one of the few times like um marge actually makes a good choice in this movie because she listened to her kid, so she actually took her somewhere to get some help. Well, and she also doesn't, whenever she comes out of the dream in this moment, they go to give her a sedative again, and she, like, slaps mm -hmm. it, and Marge mm -hmm. doesn't try to press her on it. Yep. The last thing I wrote about that uh, little sequence is the dream doctor is cray-cray, and I mean that as his character. I am with both of you. I think it's an essential scene in the film. I just think that doctor is a little um, loosey-goosey upstairs. <laughs> Uh, Nancy starts to get some gray hair. Uh, also, she comes back with Freddy's hat by grabbing it out of her dream. So we found out at this point that uh, you can actually take something back with you from a dream. Uh, Nancy and uh, and uh, Mom not getting along very well. Tough altercation. Uh, Nancy gets slapped uh, by Mom. And uh, Nancy quite heavily insinuates uh, her alcoholism. Uh, Nancy at this point is in survival mode as she's trying to figure out the best way to basically save herself. Uh, mom tells Nancy about the backstory of Fred Krueger, a child killer who, after being set free from prison, was burned alive by a lot of the children's parents when they were younger, including her mom and I think her dad. Yes. Uh, at this point, we have Nancy going on seven days with no sleep. Nancy kind of makes t uh, a plan together to get Kruger from taking him out of her dream with the help from the unreliable Glenn. Glenn is supposed to meet Nancy at midnight. Glenn falls asleep, obviously. He's a real failure. Nancy, I'm your boyfriend now, or I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy, says Freddy Krueger, and the he has a tongue that comes through the telephone, which I think is a cool little effect. Something that I really like about their plan in the sequence it does seem like something a teenager would come up with. Like, my boyfriend's the baddest guy on the world, and he's gonna punch out this serial killer well, when I bring him out. I'll bring him out, and you'll just, you'll cold clock him, is I'll what try. she says. What am I gonna hit him with? And she's like, you're a jock, you brought a baseball bat or something. <laughs> I'm gonna do the hard part, Glenn. And she home alones her house, which oh, is man. great. I wrote that down in my notes. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's, why yeah. Nancy is my favorite final girl. Yeah, she, I didn't write this down, but I, I talk about it, I think, in a little bit. But it's like reading a book about booby traps and she's just trying to figure shit out. You yeah, anti-home invasion. Nobody else is doing anything about it. Now we get the demise of Glenn. He gets sucked up in his bed. A bloody volcanic eruption spurts out of his bed. It looks really good. And uh, this is kind of a, a rough way for Glenn to go. He's kind of just in his room. He's falling asleep. Nancy tries to call his parents to, like, basically tell them that something is up and that yes, he needs to get woke up, but they will listen to her. I really like that you get a moment with Glenn and his mom right before this happens. Mm -hmm. He's joking with her, you know, about watching, like, nude ladies and whatever, mm -hmm. and she just kind of chuckles. It's like, it's a very warm, nice moment, and then her discovering 
like walking in when all the blood's mm-hmm. in the ceiling. It I, for me, it makes it a little bit more frightening. Yeah, it's pretty disturbing. Yeah, there is so much blood in that room. Yeah, and I think the best part of that sequence is, and I said this while we we're watching, it's towards the end of it. Whenever you can tell that the room's tilted. Um, mm-hmm. all the blood starts to kind of go to the side. It almost looks yep. like it's in slow motion and there's a sheet that's on the bed and it's like pulling the other way. It, it looks so weird and mm-hmm. off-putting. Yep. So yeah, RIP. At this point, Nancy is going to use her knowledge as we've talked earlier. Uh, she gained from her booby trap book she was reading. Nancy going to take down Freddy all by herself. Uh, Nancy falls asleep. It's go time. Uh, we get some more boiler room motif going on. Uh, Nancy succeeds to bring, Fre- uh, to bring Freddy out of her nightmare and into the real world. So it seems Nancy, the original Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, as Stacy stated earlier. I think something also interesting that Wes does in his films, it's because there there is this notion to like the slasher genre, you know, final girl, the final girl fights back. But I find a lot of that stuff to be the girl's reacting. It's reactionary. She's defending herself. And she's usually running away. Mm-hmm. Nancy premeditates. Yeah, I'm going. I am not going to be the victim. I will beat this thing. Well, and because she keeps telling every adult in her life and all of her, like she's telling everybody, and people are just like, "No, oh, you're crazy." Not saying that, but that's she's like, "Okay, clearly you don't believe me. I'll take it into my own hands. It's fine." Well, and that's something that Wes does, like in, in you know his earlier films. Last House on the Left, the the parents' revenge, right. like that is like meditated. They are not the victims, mm-hmm. and they're getting vengeance for the victim. Hills Have Eyes has very similar themes in its ending. A lot of those movies are in the Scream series are trying to figure out who the killer is mm-hmm. and how to stop him and how to bring right. justice to him. I wonder right. if part of that is because Wes did talk about being bullied, I wonder if it is just, like, putting up this defense and having an idea of, like, you know what I mean? Like, protecting mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. I wonder if that is, whether it's How to cope with the situation. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, and he also shepherded the story for Dream Warriors, and that whole thing is about empowerment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking power back. No, I, th- I think that's a great observation. Uh, Nancy uh, ends up setting Freddy on fire. This looks excellent. Oh, so good. It's a great burn stunt. Yep. Uh, Nancy, I'm just going to go through this in here and you guys can break it Do down. Do you think want. that you could survive Nancy's booby traps? No. no. No, 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 Do you think Sledgehammer would take you out? <laughs> that would be it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be hurting in the gut and I'd fall down. I'd just be like, well, I'm going to go back in my dream world now. <laughs> <laughs> Scoot on out of there. Uh, all right. Nancy tells Freddie she isn't scared of him anymore. He ends up going away. Uh, the morning comes, everything seems all too okay, it's not, and Kruger drives away with all the kids in the car, and the mom bites it. So, yes, please talk about uh, these last few sequences. So the burn sequence, he goes up and kills the mother yep. in front of Nancy and her dad. That's right. And it is, it's, it's kind so of, bizarre it's fucked the up. the dad grabs a blanket to smother them, and he's in the real yeah, world. Yeah, you see Freddy. It's so fucked. It's also, um, I'm, I'm not laughing at this as, like, I'm... I'm just saying, like, it kind of shows maybe how little that John Saxon, like, his character still... It doesn't seem like... I mean, he's disturbed, but he's not, like, overly sad that the yeah. wife or his, his, the... Yeah, his his ex-wife or whatever she is is, is I, no longer with us. For me, I just think that he... While this is happening, he's over at the Glenn's mm-hmm. house. house dealing... And there's just buckets of blood, and it's so right. messed up, and... Mm-hmm his child starts screaming and the house is on fire he can yep. see smoke and he can't get in because of all the bars and locks that you know marge had put mm-hmm. on the house so it's like he has to bust in to get into his daughter yep. and then they see his you know ex-wife or wife yep. on fire i for me john saxon's just going through it in this yeah he's just trying to figure it out I, I don't see it as a lack of emotion i see it as a the whole arc with his character is, and with all the adults really, is denial. Yeah. They don't want to take responsibility for a thing that they did that has cursed their children. And that's something that runs through, you know, in the later films. Because John Sa- Saxon's arc leading into three is that he's, a man. He, he's completely broken but completely denies what happened in the first film. Like, he, he mm-hmm. sees it as... 
you know, she just died. It was just a thing that happened, even though he saw right. what happened. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just that they can't face that they cursed their children. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's fair. No. Uh, it's a pretty gnarly death sequence, though, for old March. I think it looks so good. That does, that yeah. burn is such a good stunt. And it, it's a pretty long one. I love this whole set piece. I love the house being booby-trapped. This is something we didn't talk about before, but whenever she pulls him out initially... I love her running up the stairs and like the oh, yeah. almost like plaster the gunk yeah, yeah. <laughs> the white paint stuff sure. you running in your dreams and there's a part in Dream Warriors the where yeah. Patricia Arquette's running and she all of a sudden gets stopped and she's just running in this muck and I've had dreams like that where you're trying to get somewhere and you it's almost like quicksand but you're mm-hmm. in a place that yep. like stairs right. or just your living room uh I guess to end this out what are your guys' thoughts on the final dream sequence? Do you make heads or tails out of out of how that ending goes? Obviously, Wes was probably not counting on sequels, um, I, I assume. But uh, yeah, they didn't know it was gonna yeah. be what it is. But uh, what what's your take on how the movie ends? I feel like it's kind of just tacked on. I don't love the ending. You would kind of prefer it just as the mom dies, and yeah, that's that. I mean, I I don't know. It's fine. I. I really hate the blow-up doll that gets pulled through the window at the end. I like that. I like that it looks kind of shitty because it feels like dream logic again. Like, it it looking kind of weird. For me, it works. I understand what you're saying. This is another thing in Nancy's mind where she's still being haunted by Freddy. Sure. So her her friends are dead. Mm -hmm. Her mom's dead. For me, it's not like reset. She got her friends back because right. she demanded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I never took it as that right. either. I and think it's yeah the way he, constant haunting that she'll deal with. The way he shoots it and the lighting used, it's it's very much a you can tell it's a dream sequence. So I mean, it's oh yeah, it's none less the imagination on that front. So, but yeah. and this is something that I think that's why Dream Warriors is so. I mean, for countless reasons, we'll cover that at some point. But this is something that Nancy just, now she has Freddy forever because she has to take Hypnosil later to right. suppress her own dreams so that she doesn't have to deal with this. Yep. It's brilliant. Yep. All right. Well, Have you guys ever had a nightmare with Freddy in it? I have not. No, I watched this, uh, I was pretty young, but I had seen some of the sequels beforehand because cable TV. So you knew comedy Freddy. I, I think, what was it, like four or five the one where she's on the beach. That's four. That yeah, four. So I I'd seen four on cable, and it's like yeah, Freddy's creepy and stuff, but you know I he just never scared me. But I find like the idea of what's happening to be scary. Yeah. I'm, Especially I'm, in this first film. I'm surprised that I haven't had nightmares because like I've already established this movie did freak me out the first time I saw it. So I am a bit surprised I never had uh, nightmares. And if I did, I don't recall. So I'll put it that way. And usually, you're, for me anyway, I remember my worst nightmares that I, that I have a lot of times. So I, yeah. I'm sure I could recall it. I've had a dream that had like a... It wasn't Freddy, but it was very much like... I was very, very young when I had it. It looked like... A lot of my dreams are very cinematic. I'm sure that's how it is for most people. I'm just speaking for how things look. So it looked like a like a 1940s... like. Uh, New York at night setting like it was very like people in like hats and suits and heels mm-hmm. and there's I saw this couple get out of a car with a little boy and he gets out of the car and then it flashes where I see the Freddy Krueger type guy and he was wearing a hat and like a trench coat oh, man. and he had his hands it wasn't a glove but it was like these uh, almost like fishing hooks on the end mm-hmm. of his fingers and it just flashed his hand and his face. And then there was another flash of people screaming. And then it cut back to the boy where the boy had been standing. And it was just like, it, like not to be graphic, but it just looked like lasagna. And <laughs> then I woke up in a cold sweat and yeah. was super freaked out. That's the only thing that I've ever had that's Doesn't like... sound terribly pleasant. No. I don't remember dreams. Anything else you guys want to say about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street before we wrap it up? Genre masterpiece. Like if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a movie I I really enjoy, and uh, I think it's very well done. 
I love this film. You should watch some of these documentaries about the Nightmare franchise. This, I think, is for pound for pound, I think that this is a, the most consistent in quality. I yep. think that it's fun, it's creative, um, and there's not any chapter in it that I just dread watching. Five is, I think that there's some cool set design stuff in it, some cool ideas. It's maybe not successful in all of those, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's interesting. Six, I still... There's plenty of weird, I hate to say this, like, Lynchian stuff, but it does feel very Twin Peaks whenever you're in the town. There's a lot of stuff I like about it. It's really interesting. So, yeah, I, I love this film. I love this franchise. Yeah. Good call. All right. Categories. Uh, I don't want to start. I'll start. So, for high, my single high point is Tina's Kill. It disturbs me still. I think it's very effective. My low, I hate the Freddy Dissolve. Whenever she turns her back, I I feel like there could have been an easier... I get, like, time, or not time, but, like, when this was made, the constraints on special effects. I just feel like there could have been an easier way to illustrate that. I get what he's going for. I don't like it. Sure. I've never liked it. I think it looks hokey. I even kind of think the mom descending down is a little hokey, but that part... For me, dream logic, it works. Yep. It's like, that's weird. The dissolve just doesn't work for me at all. My make them laugh is really just Freddy's weird delight in self-mutilation. He really <laughs> loves getting the girls in the dream and mm-hmm. just whacking parts of his yeah. body off or slicing his chest open and just watching them be horrified. Mm-hmm. And whenever he cuts the fingers off, I like that he looks at his hand, looks at Tina and smiles, looks at his hand like he's so delighted <laughs> by it. Fan of body horror. What can you say? Yeah. My high, just Wes's direction, his writing. This film is so smart. Taking the formula for a slasher film, making it very cerebral, and kind of mixing it with the supernatural haunting genre. And in doing such, making a franchise mascot, Freddy Krueger, Wes, in combination with Robert England's superb performance, like they, Freddy's got to be the most popular horror icon. I feel like he's up there with like a Scooby Doo or a Mickey Mouse level where people just know Freddy Krueger. Yeah, kids that had never seen the Nightmare franchise at all, they know they know who Freddy Krueger is. This series became such a pop phenomenon that, I mean, it was everywhere. So I think all that fantastic. My low, the ending, I don't, I, it, it just feels like they didn't know how to end the movie. Are you, you're talking about the dream sequence at the very end? Yeah, but even what you're talking about, the dissolve, it does feel like, and they hint at it that if you don't recognize. You're taking away the power. Yeah, you're taking away the power, but it did feel like with the dream sequence right after that, and then like the dissolve, it just, it felt tacked on, felt like. They didn't exactly know how to end it in like a where you could have a sequel or you know leave the audience with like one last scare. I wouldn't mind it as much if the blow up doll didn't look so stupid. Yeah, it, it's really my biggest bugaboo. Like I don't know why Freddy just doesn't like launch his like freaking claw through the mom's chest or something. Yeah, like just something like that. Like end with like a shocking, shocking thing like that. Might make him laugh. I have a couple things. Glenn getting negged for falling asleep, I think is really funny, where she's just beating him and calling him a shit. To his perspective, these are just nightmares that are happening. He's hanging out with his girlfriend. He's trying to get sex the whole film. He accidentally falls asleep and she takes it very seriously. I also really (laughs) enjoy before that, or not before that sequence, but before Glenn dies, I really like when she's on the phone and she says, don't asleep and it's just because it reminds me of that bad lip reading with the yoda where he's don't fall asleep (laughs) there's another thing with glenn where he whenever they're doing like their investigation to go look at rod in the gel cell Mm -hmm. i really like that she's walking out in her nightgown on the street and she's like glenn are you still watching and he's like what like i just like him popping out of a tree just like like he's in the dream yeah but he's Mm -hmm. he also just sounds bored like man i just want to come over here and, and like 
just a little bit of boot, like a little up the shirt, just a tiny bit, That's a respectful thing? amount of boot. Mm-hmm. That's all he wanted. Yeah. Poor Glenn. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna with my uh, my high point of film. I I want to talk about the sound design. Two people, Jack Cooley and Jess Sarasi, uh, Sarasi, and then I also like really enjoy the way the uh, score is used through the dream sequences. And again, I know we talked a little bit about uh, European horror cinema earlier, but again, I think that has another thing in common with Jalo movies, and in particular, somebody like Fulci, who I talk about a lot, but just the way that um, that score is used when something uh, is happening on the screen where you know you're going to get an action scene or some sort of murder scene or something like that. And so I think the way that uh, he uh, mixes those is really great. And composer is Charles Bernstein. And so I, I really enjoy the uh, score in this film quite yeah. a bit, especially in those dream sequences. It's done really well. Uh, my low point is I'm just, uh, again, as we talked about, I, I like these scenes, but just uh, the, the dream doctor, just he's, he's a little goofy. I just, you know, he's fine. And then the make him laugh moment for me is early on with uh, with the character Rod uh, just saying that he has a hard on for Tina when he woke up instead of having nightmares. So love it. You like that filth mouth? I do. Locker room talk. Yeah. That's Rod. That's Rod. Locker room mm-hmm. talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Lo- you like that they jab back that they couldn't fit four letters on his dick. <laughs> yeah. I do. That's such a. It's a really quick turn mm-hmm. of phrase too. It was. Yeah. Great. Melanie, do you have a MFK for us today? I do. So for today, Mary Fuck Kill, Freddy, Daddy Thompson, Glenn. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll go first today. Um, marrying Mr. Thompson mm-hmm. because it's John Saxon. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, That's I don't think enough anymore needs to be said. Um, effing Johnny Depp, just, I mean, gorgeous, beautiful boy. What are you going to do? And I'm going to attempt to kill Freddy. Obviously, it's it's not going to work well. You're going to die. You know, so I'm, I'll enjoy the time I have with the other two. <laughs> I'm going to assume that if I marry Freddy, I too get nightmare demon powers. Are you going to haunt Nolan? It's not bad. Is that, it mainly just Nolan that you haunt? I mean, it would be on the list, but I think I could do a lot of good with that power. You know, he's doing his bad thing. I'm doing the good thing. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we are kind of bringing balance to the world. Yin and yang. Interesting. Good cop, bad cop. And I, I think it could be, you know, he, he's got lots of like weird magical things that he can do, like make himself into beautiful ladies and... All sorts of stuff that he does later in the series. So I think, I think about that nurse sequence a lot. Right, a I, lot. I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think that he's got enough like magic genie tricks to like keep the relationship spicy and interesting. I feel like you know each night in the bedroom it's going to be a different night, and you know if you look at his lair from you know the movies as they go out, like we're gonna have like a really cool house. It's gonna be warm. The boiler's always on. So I think I think Freddie would be a, you know, a good husband or a good wife, honestly. So um, I'm gonna say for your sake, I hope you're the one in charge because you don't want those knife hands going into you. Or maybe you do. I don't or know. Maybe you but do. But if I don't know. if I'm an undead sleep demon, then it you're, doesn't matter. You're not gonna feel like it. you know he's cutting his stuff off. That's true. You embrace the pain. Yeah. Okay. So I'm right. I'm just gonna embrace it. Okay. Man, this is really difficult. Yeah, you picked the. The two best that you're gonna have to kill one of them. Yeah, so I think I'm gonna fuck John Saxon because oh, wow. he's it's he, international movie star John Saxon, right? And he's got a lot of range, and you know I I think he'd be down. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna kill Glenn because you know I think it'll be super easy, especially with my new demon powers. Melanie, mm. I think I'm gonna. This feels wrong to say. I think I'm gonna f Freddy. Mm. To your point, I think that it would probably maybe you'll be all right. Yeah, N- awful, awful pick. Mm. Like mm-hmm. he should die. He was an evil, disgusting creature. Mm. But like, I don't think I could kill him. Right. I think again, my dreams are fucked. 
in real life. So I just adding any of that, like I I'm not going toe to toe. So I think effing Freddy killing. I'm gonna kill Lieutenant Thompson. Oh man, I know, I know. He's so I love John Saxon so much, and I want to say that I just f and marry him, but. I'm going to kill him because I know what, I mean, he's got a lot of trauma that he's dealing with and he ends up being an alcoholic and, you know, he's got to work through those things. I don't think he ever really does that. So if he can't do the work himself to get to the place that he can be, you know, again, caring and attentive to my needs, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't be there for that. He's got to work on himself before I can help him. Well, you can quit it. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But I'm just, nah. I think Freddie's the more interesting lay there. And then yeah, I'm going to marry Glenn. I'm going to marry Glenn. Well, like my answer was the right answer. Well, it's none of this is really right because it's a fictional Mary F. Kill. So <laughs> it's completely nonsensical and probably super problematic that we have the segment just in general. But yeah. That's on you. It is. No, it's 100% on I me. wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. We're all good choices, everyone. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, do we have uh, one last uh, recommendation? Uh, for a horror movie to, uh, well, for people to watch yeah, to end the season. With this, since we're in our last, you know, this is Halloween officially, um, I feel like we should give a movie snack as well. Mm, I like that. Okay. So, okay. Nolan, if you want to go first. All right. Well, so the movie that I'm going to be uh, recommending today, this is one that is a bit harder to find. So I'm going to challenge you to seek it out a little bit this is called last house on dead end street this is from 1973 directed by roger watkins roger watkins is a more well known for being a hardcore porn director but he did make this uh insane uh just pure nightmare uh film in the 70s and uh it's only about Uh, A little over an hour long. I think uh, he made close to a three-hour cut that supposedly Vinegar Syndrome might be working on. But uh, in its shorter form, I would highly recommend it. It freaked me out, and uh, I won't really say anything about it because I think it's fun to go into it not knowing anything about it. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's a movie that quite affected me. I just saw it for the first time a couple weeks ago. So I would highly recommend it. The, The way you can find it is... Vinegar Syndrome put out one of Watkins' hardcore films called Corruption, and it is an Easter egg on that Blu-ray. And I will not tell you how to find it, because I'm going to put that into your hands. Who knows? I haven't looked, so there might be like a YouTube version or something out there. I don't know, but I'm sure a lot of things are on that. So, But uh, I will say that the cut that is on Vinegar Syndrome, like they have done nothing to it other than like kind of ripped it from an old source, but... It really adds to it because it is a super grimy, grindhouse, nasty movie. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. So my Halloween snack, I'm going to go with peanut M&M's. They are uh, one of my favorite candies. And, uh, you know, it's a great time of year to just just snack on some peanut M&M's and enjoy some movies. What are you going to do? If we're talking in relation to this film, a recommendation based off of it, I'm going to go with Candyman. Because it covers a lot of similar material, and it does it in an interesting, cool way. And Tony Todd is just... Tony Todd's a dreamboat. He's excellent in the film. It's a phenomenal film with an excellent Philip Glass score. Check it out. If we're talking about Halloween, the answer is Halloween. Watch Halloween on Halloween. In my opinion, it is the best horror film ever made. It is perfect. Do yourself a favor. Watch Halloween on Halloween. Get a pepperoni pizza. That's a good movie snack. All right, I'm going to go with 1997's Cure. So this is from Kiyoshi Kurosawa, and uh, he did Pulse as well. I think that's a few years later. Honestly, watching them back-to-back, if you want to have a double feature, they're totally very similar. I I loved Pulse, and this one really kind of, I don't know, just blew my socks off a little bit. It was great. And then for a snack, I'm going to say, you know what? Do some crackers and snacks. Do it like a little charcuterie board if you, you if you would. I think you should get some some nice meats, maybe some gabagool. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. some grapes. Mm-hmm. Have a nice Some olives, little, maybe. Some nuts. Oh, some pickles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little, oh, yeah. 
I think you should have, make yourself a nice little plate and just watch some great films. Yeah. I think any combination of what we've recommended over the month, and obviously, if it is Halloween that you happen to be listening to us on, I think you owe it to yourself to watch Halloween as well. There you go. Well, happy Halloween, everyone. Uh, hope this has been a fun episode and that you've had a good time um, listening to all our, all our episodes this month for the season. So, obviously, you can find us on Cinema Parlor. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. You can uh, also find us on Twitter and on Instagram at Cinema Parlor. You can find me personally on Letterboxd at Chuck Madden Jr. Escalator Four on Letterboxd. Plastic Werewolf on all social media. Enjoy your Halloween. Happy Halloween. I love this. Let's come for